Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pop Anime Comics Lounge, where I have with me professional wrestler Marty the Moth Martinez, who is currently wrestling for Lucha Underground and was a former contestant on WWE Tough Enough. So thank you for being on the podcast. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. Excited. You've been wrestling for over 10 years now. How did you get involved in wrestling? Actually, I went to a WWE event. Someone locally handed me a flyer saying there was a school here in Utah. That's where I'm from and based out of. And being an 18-year-old kid, I put it in my pocket and found it three months later when I cleaned my room and saw that there was a school and went. Three weeks later, I was in a show. I was athletic and had no idea what I was doing, but hey, it worked out. So you said you found it just in your pocket. Were you a fan of wrestling growing up, or was it just one of those things that happened? Actually, I was a fan once the Monday Night Wars was going on. Right around the time when Goldberg came out, that's when I was a big fan. So I came in late, so I wasn't one of those kids who grew up since he was a little kid and watched it. But yeah, I was not older, but Monday Night Wars, the late 90s. I don't know what that puts me as, 13, 14, something like that. But yeah, late 90s, Monday Night Wars, that's what got me. I was a big WCW fan. I hated the WWF, but would never watch it. And then WCW closed, and then I learned. So now your first training school, from my understanding, is Ultra Championship Wrestling. How'd you get involved there at UCW? Like I said, I went to a WWE event. There was a Monday Night Raw here. So one of the students there gave me a flyer, said, hey, we have a local show here. Come check it out. I said, hey, that's awesome. Put it in my pocket and never did anything with it. So three months later, when I cleaned my room and put it on my desk, I actually remember the moment I actually found it. I'm like, holy crap, there is wrestling here. I forgot all about that. And so I called up the promoter and said, hey, I've heard there's a wrestling school. He said, yep. And they told me to come on down. And that's why I started training. And I was at a show shortly after. I was very lucky in that aspect. I was very, very lucky. And now you were trained by Derek Janetti and Steve Nielsen. What was your training like with both of these guys? Comparatively to the horror stories that I hear of how people got in the business, I was let in easy. I hear people getting beat up and broken bones and stuff like that. I had it easy. They taught me how to run the ropes. They taught me the basics. And then we went from there. I heard people would have horror stories where they get chopped for an hour. Or they would have teacher or get married to someone they like to call it and they'd have to do horrible things like hazing. I luckily didn't have to do any of that. Derek Gennetti actually ended up being one of my best friends, still is to this day and I still think he's one of the best wrestlers if not the best wrestler to come from this state. But mine was pretty easy. Obviously it was hard, but easy compared to getting beat up unnecessarily. It's wrestling. So it's a course of training's hard. It hurts. It's physical and it's draining on the mind. It's a lot to take in and learn, but it's what I wanted to do. And wrestling is obviously very physical, but how is the training on promo which you've done some amazing promos so far in your career. Training with promos and wrestling was a little bit different than what I'm doing now. They hand you the mic and say you got one minute. So I just made stuff up. It was really good for improv. Really, the promos I do on Lucha Underground have really come from my acting career. I'm in currently in acting classes every week. So that's really where Marty the Moth character came from. It was my acting classes, my research I did in creating the character and the backstory of a character. So the Marty the Moth stuff you see on Lucha Underground is really from my acting classes and trying to make something real. And now you mentioned that you were very athletic and that's why you progressed so quickly. What were you doing in high high school that made you so athletic and what type of sports were you playing i was the only athlete to play four sports in my school a small school i played football wrestling track and lacrosse i did track so that i'd be better at football i had scholarships for football i did wrestling because i thought it was what i'm doing now so 
So when I got in there and there was no ropes, I was pretty sad. Then I was already in there. I'm like, all right, let's see what this thing's all about. And then I did lacrosse the same time I did track. So I would do track practice with everybody else. And then I would sprint over to another field on the other side of campus and do lacrosse throw my pads as I'm running over there and do lacrosse practice. So I actually had several micro tears in my calves just because I was running so much in three hours. It's good. It prepared me a lot for what's going on now. It gave me hops, and I love being able to jump, and I'm 250 pounds, and it gave me the ability to jump. I like to drop kick people in the face, so that's definitely helped. And now in UCW, you got into a show immediately, and one of the first stables you were placed in was Steve Slick's stable. What was that like? It was good, actually, because I had no idea what I was doing. So I had no creativity or what I'd like to do. I was just excited to be in the ring. It was good because I had no idea what kind of direction I wanted to take, what I wanted to be, a good guy, a bad guy, heel face, what I wanted to be. So it was fun being part of that stable because that was kind of decided for me while I figured out the wrestling. But I figured out the wrestling and got the heck out of there because who likes to be the boss's crony? Nobody. And now before we go to how you broke away from this stable, you were in a major feud with Mochi Pedro and his tag team, where you guys feuded over the UCW Zero Tag Team Championship belt multiple times. What was it like facing him multiple times? It was amazing. The reason why is because he was my best friend in high school. And it was him who came with me the very first day of wrestling practice saying, hey, we should try out this wrestling thing. So he was my very first match. He was my best friend from high school. And he was 112 pounds from wrestling. And I was 170. So I'm not saying that's a huge difference or anything. But size-wise, he could do all the flips and do all the coolest Rey Mysterio moves that he loved. And I could do the stuff that I wanted to do and throw him around. So it was a blast because you get to beat up your own best friend. And that's what I like about this business, too, is I'm more and more I'm becoming more best friends with all these people that I'm wrestling. It's funner to beat them up. And do you find it easier to wrestle him versus wrestling somebody else, being that he's your best friend? Absolutely. Obviously, you're going to hit the person. You're going to kick the person. You're going to slam the person. We try and make it look the best that we can without actually hurting the person. But when it's your best friend... You can lay it in just a little bit harder, make it that much better looking. Then you can give each other crap about it after the match. But I love wrestling, my friends. I love wrestling anyone I can get in the ring with just because everyone brings something different to the ring. When it's your best friend, we will have conversations while we're wrestling. We'll beat the living crap out of each other and like say, gotcha. We'll have fun. And it's not even from the wrestling aspect. It's just two bros just broing out in the ring. And you beat him three times for the UCW Tag Team titles. What was it like winning the belt for the first time and winning it from your best it was great. I was fast to get into the ring because of my athletics, but very slow to get any sort of achievements. And when I was first starting out, the belts were a big deal. To me, it's like, okay, I'm entrusted with this portion of the company. I am the tag team champion. I am the Ultra X champion, or whatever it was called then. As the belts got bigger, and even still to this day, the Lucha Underground belt, that person should be the person that is representing the company 24 hours. That person is a person that you could send to E-Hollywood or TMZ and be a okay and comfortable with putting the company's image on that person. So to me, it's a big deal to have a belt like that. I and mean, granted, we all know wrestling is wrestling. But for me, that meant, all right, I'm wrestling. I'm finally at a level where this company respects me enough and thinks I'm good enough to carry this part of their company. So that's what it meant to me. And it still means the same thing to me today. It's responsibility. And now to talk about another belt, which is the UCW Heavyweight Championship belt. Where you got your first shot at this in 2006, and then you eventually won it in July of 2006. What was that like, capturing your first heavyweight belt? 
It was from Derek Jeanette. He's been there for longer than I have. He's always been better. I always thought he'd been better than me. That, to me, was a passing of the torch in UCW to me. Now you're one of the guys that we can carry a UCW title on with someone we can put the brand on. And to me, it was a big accomplishment. Granted, in the scale of things, UCW every title is an amazing thing, but it's nothing like Lucha Underground. And it's nothing like being able to travel the world like I've been able to. It's nothing like going on AAA TV and wrestling Rey Mysterio in front of 20,000 people. But it was definitely a huge stepping stone when I was first starting out that made me feel more confident that the company respected and knew that I could do what I needed to in the ring and outside of the ring to carry their image. And now, while the heavyweight champion, you formed total control with Devon Payne, and you eventually won the tag team belts. What was that like, holding two belts at the same time? It was a lot to carry. It's the same thing, just the responsibility of having this entire company on your shoulders. And, of course, it was fun because I'm a bad guy. I love playing the bad guy. The bad guy's always fun, isn't it? Heels are the best, right? Heels are the best! I've spent most of my career as a hill, and it's something that I would rather do any day than kissing babies and smiling. I'd rather kick somebody and then smile very demoniacally, like I do at Lucha Underground. But holding two belts, to me, was just a status symbol for you where you are at that company, and it felt good being able to know that they respected me enough at the level they would be okay with putting their brand on. So that's what those belts meant to me there. And defending these belts, you had some pretty high-risk matches. One against High Risk, which was a TLC match, and then you also got to face Marty Jannetty in a six-man tag team match with some other people involved as well. What was it like to be in these two big matches? High risk, I believe, was Derek Jannetty and Ricky Mountier. By that time, I'd become really good friends with them. And of course, with friends, you can have more fun. I wouldn't say more fun, but it's just more fun on a personal level. It's a blast. I love high-pressure matches, and it seems like that's when I can perform the best, honestly. I believe high-pressure matches don't need a belt, but a lot of them do. But the Weapons of Mass Destruction match, that was a high-pressure, high-intensity match that I enjoyed. The match you're talking about there did have belts involved, but I just love high-pressure, high-intensity matches where people care a lot about the matches rather than, okay, this guy versus this guy, whatever. It's always fun being in a position like that where it's high-pressure and high-stakes. And now I believe this match was the start of you breaking out of Steve Slick's stable where there was some miscommunication with you and Devon Payne. And then that also translated into you and Devon Payne had miscommunication against David Young where you lost your belt. So how did you feel that the entire you getting kicked out of Stevie Slick's stable play out? Man, you're going back to some old school days. It was fun for me because I got a chance to wrestle with David Young. So it was fun working with David. But it was fun being able to break off on my own. And now that I knew the wrestling aspect of it or at least enough to be proficient and I could still learn and pick directions for myself. That was fun. But really the reason that happened is because of the crowd. I would do horrible things to people in the ring and the crowd would still cheer me. It got to the point where I would kick somebody in the nether regions in the middle of the ring, get disqualified, and people would still cheer me. So I was like, all right, we gotta change something here. And I go and stab somebody's mother and still cheering. We gotta change something. So that's where that whole storyline came from because the fans started cheering me way, way louder than they were booing me. No matter what, I would I would give them the finger. I'd flip them off. I'd pull down my pants and moon them. I would do horrible things to my opponent in the ring, but don't try and fight with the crowd. So we just listen to the crowd and change things up. So the crowd is everything in wrestling. Now, how did that make you feel that the crowd was completely behind you no matter what you did? It was a blast because that's the whole point of wrestling, right? Is to get a reaction out of the crowd. So it was fun. Granted, it wasn't to the scale I'm accustomed to now, but but it was still 500 people cheering for me. And it was weird because I would do horrible things and they would cheer me. So it got to the point where we had to adjust to make me a good guy. But that's the whole point of wrestling is to entertain people and make them take a couple of seconds out of their lives. 
smile and forget about the grocery bill or the light bill or whatever the heck's going on in their life. It's good just to get a reaction out of people like that. So to me, it felt great when they cheered or booed as long as they were giving me a reaction. And now correct me if I believe the match that really kind of turned you face was you against Devon Payne in a no disqualification, no holds bar, last man standing match where you fought every member of Stevie Slick's stable off along with David, Janetti, and a few other people were involved as well. What was that match like for you? Coming into my own, it was me shedding, hey, this is what I started at in wrestling, and now I'm done with that part of my life, and we're moving on to me branching on my own. And there's no better way than to literally punch every single guy that's got you there on the way up. They're all friends by that time, so it was real good. But that was just a turning point for me where I'm no longer, and there's no way I'm going back to the dynasty. I'm going to break out of my own and see what I can create for myself. And that's what that whole match is all about, is creating a legacy for myself. And now, during your time with you. CW, you won the heavyweight championship six times and you faced Jason Knoll, Junior X, Guerrero, Azteca, to name a few people. What was it like wrestling all these people and winning the belt like another four or five times? It's a blast. It's always good to know that you can still be the brand of that company. That's to me what the belt is. And no matter who it was, those people that came in, they made me better. From Rob Conway to Guerrero Tech and all these people that they brought in to wrestle, it was good to know that they still had faith in me. They would be all right for me to beat XWWE stars and people of that caliber. So it's always good to win a match. It's always good to have a title. Really just holding that title, holding that brand for UCW and Utah. You also wrestled in a lot of other promotions at this time. National Wrestling Alliance, National Wrestling Alliance, Pro Wrestling. And you faced people like TJ. Perkins, Lance Cade, and Trevor Murdoch, and you worked a lot with Joey Ryan. What is it like facing these former WWE stars in some cases, current WWE stars, and the guy who flips the wheel with his penis? That was way before the penis days. Man, how Joey Ryan has evolved in the years. He had long hair, the mustache was thicker. I feel like he was sleazier back then than he is now, but now he's just straight out saying, here, grab my junk and let's wrestle with my penis. So it's done well for him. It's made him a lot of money. Damn proud of Joey Ryan. I've always liked everything. It was just another step in stone for me to wrestle for people I had never wrestled for. And that's what it was for me. It's just wrestling people that I had no experience with, that I was able to get in there. Especially with these guys from WWE, I can hang with these people that have done such great accomplishments. It was good to know that I was able to still hang with them. And I was at that caliber. That's really what it was for me. And also while you were wrestling in these promotions, you also had the opportunity to wrestle Sid Snuka and Jimmy Snuka. What was it like wrestling this legend, Jimmy Snuka? It was a blast. By the time I got to him, he was a little bit older than from what we remember him jumping off of a cage back in the day. But it was fun. I got to wrestle him. I got to wrestle Raven. There's a bunch of people I was able to wrestle that it was good just for nostalgic purposes, just for experience-wise. The vets that have wrestled and can't really do what they could before is just fine because they can still impart some knowledge onto you that they have learned over the past 20, 30, 40 years, however long they've wrestled. So it was great just to hear how they would put together a match, what they were thinking. It was great just to get that feedback from those kind of people. And now you've wrestled a lot of veterans. Do you have a favorite veteran that you wrestled with or do you have a best piece of advice that they gave you? Stone Cold Steve Austin. When I was on WWE Tough Enough, he told me the best advice that 
I would ever get nailed at home real well for me is you could do all these cool flips and you could do these amazing moves, but it's the character that people are going to resonate with. If that's the character is what people are going to remember. And it's the character that people are going to put on their t-shirts and wear. So after Tough Enough, Steve Austin was kind enough to impart some words on me. We kept in touch. And the big thing he told me was it's the character because Steve Austin said, I didn't do any cool flips or any of that. I just stumped the mud hole people drank some beers, flipped them off, and gave them a stunner, and that was it. People cared about Stone Cold Steve Austin rather than any cool movie except for the stunner. How out-of-the-box crazy thinking is the stunner? It's not. It's simple. But people related so much to his character that he was able to make millions and able to affect a million people's lives just by going out there and shaking and wobbling his head. I saw that really hard right before season three of Lucha Underground. And now, to talk about WWE Tough Enough, how did you first hear about the show in 2011 when you were on it. Well, when you're a wrestler, you hear something like WWE Tough Enough comes out, everyone's going to hear about it. So I remember how I heard about that show. But how I got on the show was somebody who worked for the show, one of the producers, who actually I spoke recently, actually, hit me up on Facebook. And by that time, I'd been traveling around doing some WWE extra work and just trying to get noticed as much as I could. And they said, hey, you're on the radar. They really, really want you to put in your stuff for WWE Tough Enough. And I thought he was lying. So I didn't respond back to him for a couple of days. And then I thought, what if? What if this really is someone who works for Tough Enough? What if I am on WWE's radar and I'm just being skeptical and pass out on the chance of actually being on the show? So I said, screw it. And I contacted him back and we chatted it up and he convinced me to make a video. And did you ever see that video? I have not. It's out there circulating somewhere. I have the romance button with a fireplace in my room. I got all my toys. But yeah, it was fun. But yeah, they hit me up. I thought it was a fake and I'm really glad I changed my mind and said, go for it. And you had to leave the show on episode seven due to an injury. What exactly happened with your injury? Long story short, the bones split and that ball inside of your foot there just kind of came off and sprayed off. No reason. We tried to watch the tape millions and millions of times between rehab and the doctor's visits, but it just came apart. I wasn't doing any crazy thing. I was walking. It was a pin drill that I got injured on. But yeah, they ended up having to put two metal screws in my ankle that I'm going to keep as a souvenir for WWE Tough Enough. So thank you very much, WWE Tough Enough. I got two screws in me. And now you were the only superstar on that show who got to hang up his own belt. What was that like for you to do that. It sucks. Anytime you worked years for something and you have to leave on not your own accord, it sucks. It was awesome and nice to you to let me hang up my own belt. I still text him and say, I want it back. But it sucked just being out of that competition when I knew I had that competition. I knew after Matt Cross left out of that competition that it was going to come down to me and Luke. I knew it for a fact. And after it happened, it was heartbreaking. It sucked. So it is what it is. But I'm glad it happened. I realized that. I have a whole new attitude change. Everything happens for a reason. And now I finally figured out Luch Underground is my reason for breaking my ankle on some random pin drill. And being on Tough Enough, how did that affect your standing with other wrestling promotions? It was good. They used it. They used the exposure as they should have. They said, hey, coming from WWE Tough Enough is Martin Casals. It was good. So it got me extra bookings. I came back a couple months too early. That was probably not as smart as I thought it was. But I wanted to get back in the ring. Like I said, and you work so hard for something for years finally get your opportunity and then something happens out of your control everything happens for a reason but man that sucks so I wanted to get back in the saddle and get my ass moving making sure it happens again and now the part that I think everybody wants to talk about is Lucha Underground you joined up in 2014 how did you find Lucha Underground did Lucha Underground find you how did that entire thing happen Lucha Underground found me actually Eric 
Van Wagner, the executive producer of Lucha Underground, worked on WWE Tough Enough. He knew I was entertaining, didn't know what to do with me, but he wanted to check my interest since they were bringing Lucha Libre into America. This was about a year before Lucha Underground even had a name. So he hit me up on Facebook again, thank God for Facebook, and said, hey, we're bringing it here, do you want to be part of it? I said, heck to the yes. Went on for a whole nother year where I would just check back in with them and let them know I'm still interested, don't forget about me. And then I was there at the very, very first taping. I was Magnificent Martin, and I almost wore a shower curtain out there, and I was walked out by beautiful Brenda. It was crazy because it's something I didn't know people were doing tryouts for this show. I was just lucky and I've been very blessed in my life to sort of that aspect. Put in the hard work and I guess we'll see what happens. And now your first dark match was King Kuro. What was it like wrestling him? If I said his name right. King Cuerno, man. King Cuerno. King Cuerno. Uh, King Cuerno. There you go. No, my very, very first dark match was actually with Mil Muertes. I was Magnificent Martin. I was a magician. I had beautiful Brenda walking me out like Vanna White. They told me to make us laugh. So that's what I did is make them laugh. Had a good match. And then King Cuerno, I had my second or third dark match with them. Again, they had no idea what to do with me. They just knew I was entertaining. So they're trying out different things. And now we're going to talk about your first televised match, which I believe was against Prince Puma. What was it like facing Prince Puma? Prince Puma, so smooth, easy. It was awesome because I was trying to just figure out what can I bring to this character to make people relate to it. Sick with the same concept Stone Cold Steve Austin gave me as people relate to characters, not moves. But someone like Prince Puma, Ricochet is an amazing, amazing worker. Probably one of the best, if not the best in the world right now. So he's just so smooth in everything he does. And it was simple. And most matches with Trevor are pretty simple. And it was fun. I get people got related to my character as who the heck is this guy. And I think we got the job done. And I'm glad, I think, honestly, Martin Moth has had, from that match with Prince Puma, probably one of the most mature characters on screen in Lucha Underground from where we are now. And now Lucha Underground has an Aztec medallion-themed match. And you competed in several of them, one of them being a four-way against Aerostar, Cage, and the Mac. How do these matches work, and how did this match come about? And what is it like to face all these wrestlers? It's a whole lot of bodies flying, a whole lot of fist flying, and a whole lot of feet coming towards my face. So a whole lot of dodging and a bunch of kicking and swinging. It's fun. They're crazy matches. That's what Lucha Libre is. It's crazy matches. The time I've gone down to Mexico and wrestled, it's always been in these crazy six-man tag matches. It's that style. And it's fun. They're very hectic. So you gotta keep your eyes open. Who knows when someone's right behind you ready to punch you in the back of the head. And that happens a lot. But they're fun. They're unpredictable. So as a performer, you just gotta make sure to keep in mind what else is going on, where the camera's at, making sure someone's doing something that needs to be on TV that you're not over here trying to pull attention with for everybody. Those matches are super fun and they're non-stop. So I really enjoy those matches and they've always been a blast and it seems to be something I've kind of made a great career in. And now to talk about a situation that kind of revolves around the Aztec medallions. What's with you and Sexy Star and what exactly happened with her and what is it like working with her? Sexy Star, she's an amazing woman. I love Sexy Star. She's a great girl. She doesn't speak a lick of English. She tries, so there's always that barrier. She's a great worker and obviously as you've seen on Lucha Underground, she's now a former Lucha Underground champion. So she's a great worker. She's very fun. She's very sweet and she's very strong. So we started something with Lucha Underground with the women. Intergender wrestling was not big and still isn't big and still a taboo subject. But there's a smart way to have a man wrestle a girl and still have it make sense and look good and be entertaining. And that is something that I prided myself in making sure that when there's a match like that, okay, people crapped on me for losing to a girl. Oh, that's their paradigm of what a match 
should be. A guy losing to a girl isn't a bad thing, and it shouldn't happen all the time. But it's the way that you do it and make it make sense is where the magic happens. I think Lucha Underground is doing a damn good job of making sure it happens the right way and that we're giving women power that they really do already have and letting girls have someone to root behind growing up. And you have a very complicated storyline with Sexy Star where you lost her and then you kidnapped her. You had cheerleader Melissa with you throughout that entire process. How do you feel that that angle played out and to where she is right now? I think it played out beautiful. She had a backstory where she was abused and then she got out of the abusive situation and where you have a much larger man intimidating a much smaller person, male or female, it doesn't matter. It happens every day in life where someone who is perceived as bigger physically or just that person being picked on perceives them that way. It was good because she went from being beaten in her backstory as a child and coming up from that to now we're going back to that story and bringing back those childhood memories of her being picked on by someone larger than her. And it was good because it made the story progress where Martin Moth was able to go darker and deeper into his own character, bring out some of the crazy. And she was able to triumph and have a great story leading up to where now she is on top of the company and she was just a Lucha Underground champion. So it's just a story of struggle and fighting through what seems to get to where you want to get. And now to back a little bit away from that story, but kind of stay a little bit within it, you worked a lot with cheerleader Melissa also known as Mari Pulsa. What is it like working with cheerleader Melissa, who is arguably one of the best women wrestlers ever? Well, you said it right there. Makes it pretty easy when she's one of the best wrestlers ever. And it's even easier when she's already coming into a story that's already been created with the stuff that I did with Mari the Moth, and then we're making her a legit badass, which she really is in real life. I just spent the weekend with her just last weekend. I formed a great relationship with her. She's my TV sister, and it's great to be able to bounce ideas off her and her give me ideas. It's been a fun relationship and I'm excited to see where Lucha Underground takes this because we're going to be a force to be reckoned with here in the rest of season three and the season four and you're going to see some stuff in season three of Lucha Underground there's definitely some fun backstory going on between Mary Posa and Martin Ma. and also throughout 2015 you got to wrestle Alberto Del Rio Chavo Guerrero Joey Ryan and Rey Mysterio to name a few big names in wrestling what was it like to wrestle these four guys uh, same wrestling everybody else just they have had some exposure behind them. You kind of know their moves, kind of what their mantra's all about. When you wrestle, you go to a town and you find a promotion you don't know. You don't know what this guy does or what the fans relate to with this character. With someone wrestling like that, it's just like wrestling any other name that I've wrestled before. It's just, you know what they stand for. You know what the fans relate to. And it's always a pleasure. It always makes you step up your game. And it's to the caliber now, that's my norm now. And it's great. I'm getting to wrestle the best in the world and all over the world. So it's definitely a blessing for me and it's fun because these guys are now my friends and so it's fun to call people like that my friends people that I used to watch when I was a kid and now to talk about 2016 and in particular one match against Killshot at Weapons of Mass Destruction how did this match come about and this match is insane if anybody hasn't seen this match it's an amazing match how did it even come about well if you haven't seen it go see it it's on YouTube it's free Lucha Underground gave it out it's almost got 60,000 views right now Killshot is coming from the military Mark the moth like shiny objects what it comes down to and basically wanted to steal his dog tags basically Martin the moth loves to play mind games and when you're playing with a veteran coming from wars it's easy to play mind games with someone like that so um, we've tried to play on the PTSD aspect of things we played on needs to get this dog tag these dog tags are his identity and for me, it was all about fun and games, playing mind games with him. 
And they were actually going to end the feud early. And we asked them, like, hey, we think we got something special here. Can we blow this off somehow? Give us 10 minutes and a match or something? Sure. This is one thing about love about Lucha Underground is they changed what we were going to do on TV that day and the next day so that what eventually would be this match would end up happening. So it ended up happening where we just fought it out, beat the crap out of each other, and people were relating to it. And they said, well, let's do something big. Let's do a weapons of mass destruction match. And when I got there, it was like Christmas. There was grenades laid out. There was missiles laid out. There was crates. There was tables. There was ladders. There was everything in this match. And it was like a giant adult pro wrestling playground. And to back up a little bit, so how did you go even about approaching the producers or the showrunners for Lucha Underground to ask them to continue the feud? And how do you feel that they actually responded pretty successfully to what you wanted to do? Yeah, this is one of the big things about Lucha Underground that I love most. We went through rehearsals that day and I believe we are going to just end a quick six-minute match or something like that. Didn't have the level of importance that this match ended up at. And we both felt like we had something special. And so literally during rehearsals, we just walked up to Chris and Joseph and Roach and Solomon and said, hey, we feel like we have something special here. Can we maybe go 10 minutes? Can we have a little bit more of our time to give this feud what we think it could be? And they sat and they talked for about five minutes and said, yeah, let's do that. So they changed what we did that day, then changed what we did the next day. And then that was the end of the season. I think we had a couple months off when we started shooting season three. It was there. I came up with this weapons of mass destruction match and we said, I'm all in. Kill shot said he's all in. Magic happened. We just asked them and they gave it to us. It was their idea to come up with that match. We just wanted more time to give this feud what we thought it could be. So this is just credit on credit to Lucha Underground writers and staff. Just how smart they are and how good they are. And how did you prepare for this match? It's an intense match. How did you physically prepare for it? I think about three shots of Jaeger and some aspirin. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. All right, cool. And so took some shots just before we went out there. Probably shouldn't have done that since I bled so much. But it is what it is. And uh, it was a great match. It was fun. I, honestly, I couldn't see pretty much 90% of that match because there was blood and war paint all over my eyes. I didn't know what it really looked like until I actually saw the footage. So I couldn't see anything in that match. But it was fun. And I got seven staples in my head from it. It was one of my funnest matches. And now you also were involved in a 20-man Aztec Warfare match for the Lucha Underground title. How did you feel that you were involved in this match? It's Lucha Underground, so it's always fun to perform at the temple. Honestly, if you've ever been to the temple, you know it's an amazing experience, and if you haven't been there, you need to get your butts to the temple. If you've ever watched Lucha Underground or you're a believer at all, it's going on literally right now. Get to the temple. It's amazing. So anytime there's a Lucha Underground match, I'm stoked and jacked for it. I love this job. Honestly, I've had a lot of podcasts ask me, I don't know if it was going to be something you are going to do or not, but I had a lot of podcasts ask me if the WWE came to right now and said here is a contract would you go and I say as long as Lucha Underground has their doors open I'm going to be Lucha Underground waving that flag till that happens where we don't have doors to open anymore so it's always a blast doing any sort of match no matter with who it is inside Lucha Underground and I love Lucha I always keep my doors open so I'm not like I'm throwing away offers but I'm always accepting them hearing things I always keep my doors open but Lucha Underground I'm going to be there as long as they have doors open so that's definitely going to be my stance. All throughout 2015 and all throughout 2016, wrestled some amazing people in Lucha Underground, including Prince Puma, Tessa Blanchard, Argenis, Sexy Star, Shane Strickland, Joey Ryan, to name a few. How do you feel that Lucha Underground's competition is compared to everywhere else you've wrestled? As far as the product that you see, I don't think it compares to anything else because we're a TV show. You will not go to New Japan or to WWE or to ROH and see 
somebody being slammed against a cage and dying. That happened in Lucha Underground. Somebody died. There was blood sprayed everywhere. It was my good friend Bale. And you're not going to see that anywhere else because we're a TV show, not a wrestling show. So that's one thing that definitely makes us stick out. The styles between the American styles and Lucha styles, that's happening more and more and more places now because of the popularity of Lucha Underground, I think. So the styles are getting more and more similar. But I think as a product standing on its own, because we're a TV show, you're not going to see people dying. You might see some girl get kidnapped. That's happened before. But we can go places other place people can't. Katrina is teleporting places all the time. Mil Muertes has died. I don't know how many times. We can do things that other companies can't. We have our own universe and Luchaverse that I like to call it. That things such as time travel is the norm. To us, I relate us as superheroes. I'm a supervillain. Way funner. But yeah, it's our own universe we've created. I compare it to like DC or Marvel. We have time travel, people teleporting, people dying, and people doing incredible feats. So that's why I think we're completely different as a standalone product. And you've been wrestling for over 10 years. What is your favorite time as a wrestler? Honestly, I don't think my favorite time has happened yet. I've got plenty more left to do. My career's still young. When you say it like that, man, it makes you sound old. And now that I think about it, like, yeah, 13 years, that is kind of a lot in the business. But I started young, and I don't think my favorite time has happened yet. I feel like there's plenty of amazing things that are going to be happening. I'm hearing rumors about Lucha Underground, what could be. And I don't honestly think that my favorite time has happened yet. I had some amazing times wrestling in front of 20,000 people at Triple Mania and beating the crap out of Rey Mysterio, taking the 619 from Rey Mysterio and that same arena. The Weapons of Mass Destruction match was amazing. Being in the ring with Stone Cold Steve Austin, locking up with him. I've had some amazing experiences that most wrestlers would be able to hang up their boots and say, okay, I had a good one. And honestly, I could probably could. I can say that too, but once you become a wrestler, it's passion never dies. So I don't think the way my career path is headed right now that my favorite moment has happened yet. And I got a lot more to give out. I'm pretty excited for what's to come here with Lucha and just playing wrestling and in my movie career there's a lot of stuff happening there as well there's just a lot of stuff in my life that hasn't happened yet that's in the work and I'm putting the work in for it and I'm just excited for 2017 and the years to come and not to date you you've been involved in wrestling for 13 years so what advice do you have for people who want to become wrestlers well it's simple if you want to become a wrestler right now I'm an actor a wrestler a stockbroker I have a company I'm opening another company in January no matter what you want to do figure out what your goal is find the best person that does that goal and then outwork them period whether it be wrestling business figure out the person that's doing that thing the best figure out what they're implementing and then outwork them period that's would be the best advice i can give that's why i tell all the new kids that come in or the people that ask me on the internet about advice is find the guy that's going to be the best around and outwork him when you've done that and outworked him go to the guy that's higher than him and i work that guy until you're the hardest worker in the room honestly i want to be the hardest worker in the room and then finally do you have anything you'd like to promote facebook twitter matches coming up merchandise find me on facebook instagram twitter at martin casaus write me a message send me a tweet send me anything i interact with fans as much as i possibly can honestly without you wrestling fans we're just two dudes wrestling around in spandex so without you fans there is no wrestling so find me on instagram twitter i'm on snapchat i think i'm m casals you don't know how to spell the name it's c-a-s-a-u-s look up marty the mop i'm easy to find i'm easy to write send me something i do business i help people earn money i help people wrestle i give people advice i interact and go to pro wrestling TV and buy my shirt. Sanity is really just controlled passion. I fully believe that. People are saying that Marty the Moth is crazy. Maybe I am. But maybe I'm really passionate about what I really want to get. So it's really just what you think of a particular situation. 
So find me on those platforms, buy my shirts, get on there, just interact with me. And really, thank you wrestling fans for being wrestling fans, especially believers in the temple. You have made my life amazing, and I can't thank you enough. As always, thank you for listening to this week's episode, and you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher Radio, and anywhere else where you listen to your podcast. And while you wait for next week's episode, you can check out popanimecomics.com for articles relating to anime, comics, and pop culture, as well as you can follow us on Twitter, at popanimecomics, for all updates regarding this podcast. Till next week, everybody, have a wonderful week.